Welcome, guys, to Man Made, the podcast. Good guys who drink and cuss a little. This is Greg. I'm driving, and I've stolen the mic from Jeff today because he's a little down in the weather. Yeah, I'm so. sorry. What was the question? <laughs> we haven't gotten to a question yet, <laughs> but just say uh, hello, listeners. Hello there, listeners. <laughs> All right. So uh, I thought maybe we'd have some small talk today, but I'm seeing right now it ain't going to come from you. Well, here's here's what happened. All right. Okay. Is I got this little cough, and it's just like an annoying kind of a cough. And it feels like if I could reach back and scratch the inside mm-hmm. of my throat, that that would be so satisfying. Mm-hmm. But something tells me that that will create yeah. more problems than it solves. Right. So, and it's somewhat episodic as well. So I'll cough for a little while and I'll think, God, I better go to the doctor. But then I'll stop. <laughs> yeah. So last night, it's, I don't know, 8.30, I'm watching a football game, you know, and I start coughing. And I'm like... I'm going to, I want a good night's sleep, so I'm going to take some NyQuil. Mm-hmm. So I go to the uh, medicine cabinet and I reach, I, I'm presented with a choice oh. of NyQuil or severe cold NyQuil. Mm. So I don't know which category I fit in, right? So oh. I'm like. I know which one you picked. I'm like a more <laughs> is more guy. Yeah, right. Right. And I don't know where that little fucking measuring cup is that comes with uh, the thing, right? Yeah. So I, I just hit it. Yeah. And it might have been a liberal hit. Mm. Dude, I can't track a thought this morning to save my life. Like, <laughs> like I'm just sitting here looking out the window and the clouds are so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah. what? I don't even think thoughts like that. <laughs> so uh, so good luck, Greg. Yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, so. hopefully we're going to talk about something like the best picture we colored in our childhood or something like that. <laughs> well, uh uh, on tap today was supposed to be parenting. Oh, and the other thing, if you don't mind, okay. is I have another dilemma. Okay. That, so my mood is essentially attached to IU athletics. Oh, no. And so last year during COVID, right, yeah. we have a breakout year. So this year we're supposed to have a breakout year. We're supposed to keep it going, right? Mm-hmm. And so we are... Let's see, two and three, I think, is our record. Oh, no. Well, hold on. Okay. Don't, but <clears throat> our losses are to Cincinnati, Iowa, and Penn State. Mm. Now, if you're following college football, they're all in the top five, I think. Mm. Okay. Now, we were in the Iowa game. You could argue, Jeff, you're delusional. You never had a chance of winning that game. <laughs> I would say, I would wink and say, no, we had a chance. Was at the Cincinnati game, had that thing won Three times. Uh-uh. And our beloved quarterback, who our coach has a man crush on, <laughs> gave it back to Cincinnati all three times. So oh. that was devastating. Yeah. Right. So then we go into Penn State and fairly certain we're going to get shellacked. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have some self respect. Nope. They took our dignity and shoved it right up our asses. <laughs> and, uh, but we did beat. Excuse me. There's that nagging cough that I speak of. But we did beat Western Kentucky University, which doesn't sound like a quality win. Their quarterback is a freaking monster. Mm. I mean, that kid, pro, I mean, just incredible. So we came out there with a win. Anyway, this is the point of my meandering. We play Michigan State at home this weekend. Okay. Now, 
our quarterback who has thrown more than twice as many interceptions <laughs> than touchdowns, which I don't know how closely you follow the game, but that's not a good statistic, okay. is injured. Oh. So the quarterback that led us to so much success last year will be starting. Okay. Hence my quandary. Do I go to the game with aspirations renewed mm-hmm. that this is our breakthrough win for the season? But I'm fragile, Greg. Yes, yes. So if I go up there and that doesn't happen, then oh. you can imagine the train wreck that I will be as a yeah, result. Yeah. So I'm just, I, I got so much going on inside of me today that I, I apologize if I appear distracted. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, we got through that. Right, right, right. All right. So, so you uh, want to do some small talk? You got some? Uh, I do. I, I want to try one out. I know I went, okay. I went south on it, but so... Uh, uh, at our at our condo, they have this uh, cart, little wagon you can use to haul stuff up from the parking garage to your to your room or to your condo, and it's pretty industrial. It looks like a little red wagon, but it's got pneumatic tires and extruded steel grate thing. It holds about two hundred fifty pounds, so I used it to bring something up. And then when I'm going back down, I also had to bring a, a small toolbox uh, to the basement. So so I just set the toolbox on it and get on the elevator. Another guy gets in it, and he looks at me, and he looks at the toolbox, and he says something like, must be a pretty heavy toolbox. You need a cart for it. And mm, uh, Wow. I know. That's almost like saying pretty small dick you got there. It, it was. And actually, he wow. kind of, what he really said was, must be some uh, something about the, well, whatever it was, something about wow. the tools. Challenge so, your masculinity right there in I, the I know, fucking so elevator. I was ready for him. Okay. Yeah, I've been sitting in a lot of conference calls with engineers lately. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So you've got some angst that you need to yeah, displace. So, uh, nice. so I said, well, there's not, there aren't any tools in this box. There's what a layman might call a microchip. Uh, and, and it's surrounded by ultra-high molecular weight polymer coated in Kevlar. And the toolbox is not a toolbox, but it's made of non-magnetic, high-strength, high-temperature, super-nickel alloy. And I, I said, I can actually lift it, but I need my hands free to disarm and neutralize anyone that tried to pick it up and take it from me. And he's just staring at me. And he looks down at it, and he looks back up at me, and he holds his hand out like, may I, you know? <laughs> and, he, and he lifts it right up. It's a daggum toolbox. It weighs four pounds, you know? <laughs> and he puts it down, and he goes, do you think I'm stupid enough to believe you? And wow. I know he says that. And I'm thinking my, what I wanted to say was, I didn't think you were stupid enough to, you know, try Track and prove me that long. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I didn't say that Jeff here's, and here's where I went wrong with the small talk or I'm going wrong with it because this got too deep. I had a split second there to decide, <clears throat> like, I'm going to see this guy up and down uh-huh. the elevator a lot. So do I leave it to where it's awkward? He thinks I'm a jerk and I've made fun of him or do I take some different route? So I'm thinking the, the joke has already been made. You know, I don't need to follow through with it. So, and all this happened in, in a second, you know. So instead I say, you know, I said, well, I was about believing it. It sounded so cool, you know, and then we both laughed about it. Oh. But oh. but he knew I got him. <laughs> right, 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 right. But at least we could laugh, right, get yeah, off yeah. the elevator. It was know? kind of a touche sort of moment. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. you took this round. Yeah. <laughs> but there'll be another round. Oh, yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Cool. So. That's a good, that's good. That, oh. that's that was perhaps 
And again, I I know nothing about small talk as we previously, <laughs> but that was the brilliant balance between meaninglessness and depth. Mm-hmm. Like you kept a foot in both categories, okay. yeah. Without like, oh fuck, this is heavy, or God, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like neither one of those were. I think that was, this might be a breakthrough moment. You oh, might right. have just created the perfect formula for small talk. Wow. That's good. Rocket man. <laughs> I'm going to try and repeat that. God, I wish I knew the words to that song. <laughs> We're going to get know. in trouble just for you singing it. Really? Yeah. Fuck. All right. Yeah. Good, good. That concludes this uh, round of small talk. Yeah. And again, that's your ball scratcher right there. That thing came early in this episode. Of <laughs> well, perfect balance of substance and meaninglessness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, before we get in deep with the parenting topic, let's just at least share with our listeners our background, just a shallow part. You know, uh, we each raised three children, uh, yes. and uh, we seem to be pretty happy with the results. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then you've got a lot of background in your therapy sessions on dealing with people. Actually, you helped us out with our teenage daughter. And there are some nuances. The nuance on my side of the fence is that got divorced when my kids were 16, 14, and 10, 11, something like that. So a um, little bit, you know, another yeah. obstacle, if you will, um, or at least what other people would perceive as an obstacle to the parenting process, and then yours was certainly a unique situation. <laughs> yeah, so when my uh, youngest daughter was four, that's when I married her mom. So immediately I had a four-year-old daughter, and then three months later, after we got married, we adopted two teenagers. Uh, well, they were 11 and 12. Were, yeah, so um, so yeah, that was a immediate blended family, if you want to call it that, uh, within three months of getting married. So yeah, I I remember it was ready made, bro. Ready set go. Like there's no warm up on this. I know. So. And and people ask us, why would you <laughs> adopt? Why would you adopt teenagers three months into your marriage? I'm thinking I had no idea how to be married. Because we hate each other, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, misread. <laughs> yeah, misread on that. Sorry, uh, Freud would say otherwise, but I apologize. For- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I'll think on that one. But I'm thinking I had no idea how to be a, a husband, how to be a dad. So what difference does it make throwing something else? Right. In the mix, I know? don't know what I'm doing anyway. So yeah, keep think, it on. Yeah. The the more chances I have, maybe I'll get something right. Yeah. So. But anyway, it worked out good. There were moments in the first year where I remember sending the oldest daughter off to school, walking her to the door. She goes out to catch the bus. And I remember once I closed the door, and I'm thinking, who was that? And who are the rest of these people in my house? I mean, it was just for a second where it's like, okay, I got to reestablish, reorient, you know, sort it out. But anyway, it worked out great. We never had issues with, you know, um, you're not my dad kind of thing. You know, it, it, it just all worked out great. Oh, yeah. you know, in that sense. Sure. Yeah, I I remember when my oldest daughter, Taylor, who is now 24, hope I got that right. That'd be embarrassing if I didn't. <laughs> <clears throat> when she was born, one, I remember holding her for the first time, mm-hmm. thinking, I don't know what the fuck I cared about two seconds ago. Yeah. But this is what, like... I just had this immediate infatuation with parenting. Mm -hmm. It just was, 
and I was a, at that point in my life a bona fide man child. Mm-hmm. Like I had on men's clothing, but dude, <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. And uh, and in an instant, you know, we've talked about in the past the Dunning Kruger effect. You don't know what you don't know. Holding her was like instantly. I'm a fucking idiot, mm-hmm. and I got to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. Like just this transcendent like experience yeah. of time to man the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember walking out into the lobby and we were still living in my hometown of Evansville at the time. So there was, and within the evangelical Christian community, right? So there's, mm-hmm. I don't know, fucking, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. That's going to be just part of this episode. Apologies. I don't know how many people in the lobby, a bunch, right? Mm-hmm. I start fucking sobbing. <laughs> Dude, ugly face yeah, cry. Just yeah. like, so obviously, right, when you walk out and you start sobbing, people are horrified, yeah. right? Like, did the child die? <laughs> like, what, are, is everything okay? Whatever. And it's like, I mean, I couldn't even articulate words. Yeah. And, uh, Dude, from that moment, I was hooked. Yeah. I just was. But, and, and I don't know, I'd be interested to hear what your experience was like. When, when I was doing my graduate work, I was taking a family systems class, and we, we did, we studied what's called the circumplex model. And the circumplex model is this longitudinal study of family dynamics. And I think I'm making this up. Somebody could check me on this, and I'd be wrong. But I think it was over 24 years of data, and I think more than 1,600 therapists participated. So it's empirically sound, right? Yeah. Like right, we've right. got <laughs> plenty of data. Yeah. And so you go through this assessment, and I won't go into all the details, although it is, it, it, it's profoundly fascinating. But you, if you can visualize a circle inside of a square, right? Okay. And then divide that square into four equal quadrants. Mm-hmm. So then you have categories that you fall into. So then you your your family system will fit either within one of the quadrants within the circle or out in that corner of the square. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in the circle, thumbs up, you're doing good. <laughs> if you're in the square, you got major issues. Okay. Stucky family was in the square. <laughs> so to prove that we were in the square I argued with my professor about the reliability of the data. Oh, no. <laughs> and, that and, proved it. Oh, and he, like a surgeon with the scalpel, yeah. was like, Mr. Stuckey, I believe you're validating the point right now. <laughs> of course, I'm still like, I don't fucking know what he's oh, talking about. Right. Three years later, I have to email the guy and say, hey, I know you don't have any recollection of this, but I get it now. <laughs> and so our family system fell in what was called chaotically enmeshed. And so a chaotically enmeshed family system, really the only thing that matters is the appearances on the outside. Oh yeah. Doesn't what goes on inside, the only thing that really matters is the projection to the outside world. Yeah. So you could be like arguing at knife point mm-hmm. every night in the family room. Mm-hmm. But as long as everybody had the Stepford smile on out in the and it, it's you know and That is not a criticism of my parents because their family systems didn't even make it into the square. I mean, it was like, (laughs) 
you know, so they were piecemealing yeah. <coughs> any kind of parenting together. And and largely within the if I would if I would say the parenting system that I grew up in, if I were going to reduce it down, would have been the because I said so. Mm-hmm. And the rules were never consistent, right? Oh, it was more the mood of the day. Mm-hmm. You could do something one day, but the next day you'd get in trouble for it. And yeah. if you got in trouble for it and asked, "Well, why I did it yesterday? Why? Can't, because yeah. I said so." You know, so it's yeah, just exactly. it's just that chaotic. But you knew when you were out in public, you know, it was almost like you were hostages under duress. It mm-hmm. was like you better keep your fucking shit together because mm-hmm. thing. So, so that's that was probably the first year of parenting that I did with my oldest daughter. Mm-hmm. very, I would call it tyrannical, mm-hmm. very, very rigid. And we had come from a system, and it's kind of it's kind of funny, um, the mantra of the, the pastor of the, the church that we went to was first-time obedience. Uh-huh, I remember that. <laughs> like, first-time obedience <laughs> – wasn't that also the saying of Nazi Germany? Like, what? <laughs> but at the time, man, it was like, yeah, first-time obedience. Fuck yeah, first-time obedience. But there was also this parenting program called Growing Kids God's Way. Uh-huh. And uh, my then wife and I took a deep fucking dive into that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, like 10 years later, it came out that I think he's in jail for child abuse <laughs> oh, and no. shit. And like, <laughs> anyway, so so that was the insanity that I came out of trying somehow to parent children. Mm-hmm. What was your What was your background like? <laughs> wow, that's a lot Top there. that, bro. <laughs> no, I, I can't. <laughs> uh so my parenting background was uh, from from my family. It seemed pretty, I'll say, normal. You know, that's what they all say, Greg. This is going to yeah. be very painful for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't feel. I don't remember anything negative about it. You know, um, I, I was trained to be obedient. That's what I thought. <laughs> but but the thing, and I know this this rubbed my parents the wrong way. But I always held the right to be able to question something, and and they were okay with that. Mm. You know, they would allow that discussion. Now, you wouldn't want to do that, you know, if you're in the middle of a mall and they say, hey, come here. You go, well, wait a minute, I'm over here. You right. know, you didn't do that. But uh, but they were always open to let's let's talk this through. Now, it only went so far. You know, at some point it's like, okay, I got no answers for you. Just let's just do it this way. Right. You know? uh, but it was it was great. I don't remember anything negative about it, anything that's like, oh, that was a traumatic event, you know. Um, and, but that's an interesting Interesting caveat, and I would say incredibly profound, right? <clears throat> so when my parents, so I, st- I have to take early childhood development, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so I start learning all this stuff, and I'm like, not only am I profoundly fucked up, <laughs> I'm fucking my kids up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <clears throat> it, I'm, I'm skipping a lot of points for the sake of brevity, but I remember my clinical supervisor, again, another shout out to Dr. Les Carter. Um, check him out on YouTube. He's got fabulous YouTube videos. 
I, why I haven't had him on the podcast is just utter fucking foolishness. Um, but just a brilliant, beautiful man. And I had a case one time, and uh, again, I'll I'll forego the details, although it's interesting. But he said, and and he is Doctor Car. I still call him Doctor Carter. He's probably mm-hmm. told me seventy five times, "Stop calling me <laughs> Doctor Carter." Yeah. I can't help it, man. Yeah, yeah. There's no like I can't I get it. If I call him less, I feel like I'm defiling oh, him or yeah. something. But uh, anyway, he's like, we're talking about parenting, and he says, Jeffrey. You put a dog in a fence, no matter how good you are to that dog, what's the first thing that dog does when the gate's left open? Runs. That's right, Jeffrey. You know how you can tell a dog that just got out of his fence? No. He's right in the middle of the road. All he's doing is running away from something, so he has no awareness of what he's running towards. He's just running away. You know what happens to that dog, Jeffrey? Yes, Dr. Carter. I know what happens to that dog. <laughs> Jeffrey, where you find the country dog? Where? I know I should know the answer. You, you know, it's yeah, one of those yeah, ones. Yeah. On the front porch, Jeffrey. You know why? Because he's free. And it's that moment mm-hmm. when your parents allow you to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Versus... The because I said so is the fence, right? Yeah, yeah. And that seems rational, but now let's apply that to the mall. Mm-hmm. Now, if if you're in a fence all the time, you know, yeah, because I said so, because yeah. I had said so, because I said so, and now I'm 10 feet away from my parents, mm-hmm. I got just enough room that I think I can make a run for Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And my mom or dad says, Jeffrey, come here. Now, if I'm a dog in a fence, what am I going to do? You're going to run if you've the opportunity. Yeah. If I'm a country dog, what am I going to do? I'm already free, right? Yeah. So I, I don't, if you say, if you're, if you're giving me as much freedom as you possibly can, short of me being in harm's way. Mm-hmm. I'm the country dog. I'm on the front porch. Mm-hmm. So whenever <clears throat> whenever you call for the country dog, what does it do? Comes yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you call for the dog that just got out of the <laughs> fence, what does yeah, it do? He's just running. Not give a fuck, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's so shocking how that translates over into effective parenting. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I find in men, right, and this goes back to a lot of what we've talked about in, okay, we don't do vulnerable emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So then the wife becomes the barometer of our relationship, Mm -hmm. or if your life partners or whatever, I don't mean to be politically incorrect. And so we just want to please, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, we put too much responsibility on her. And so she becomes the barometer of the health or lack thereof of the relationship. Right. Well, then that superimposes on the family. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that same kind of thing. So I want to make her happy. So now I'm parenting almost, it's almost like I'm a private, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what are my marching orders? And I'll go do it. Yeah, yeah. Versus 
having my own parenting philosophy, mm-hmm. having my own understanding of this is what parenting is. Mm-hmm. This is my objective. This is what I want to be able to accomplish by the time they leave my home. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And if we were to ask a person, well, let me say this. So that's when I knew I was fucked. Yeah. <laughs> that's Because you had the wrong mind. I was yeah. so fucked, yeah. man. It was just the, because I said so, first time obedience. Yeah. At the time, again, I said, we taught our kids sign language. Oh, good. No. <laughs> Not good. Huh? <laughs> Zero correlation to anything. Mm-hmm. Teaching your teaching your toddler sign language, yeah. no correlation. It's cool. Yeah. It's like a good party trick. Like, yeah. look how great of parent I am. Yeah, yeah. My child can do sign language. Now, I'll tell you what's fucking disturbing about it is how quick they pick it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, my freaking God. Mm-hmm. I mean, pre-verbal, they're like putting multiple oh, wow. signals together, and it's like, we're fucking primates. <laughs> anyway, this is scary. What? You know, uh, that, that whole idea, uh, those two issues you brought up about, um, one of them is the external appearance, and the other is, um, you know, the first-time obedience, or because I said so kind of idea. Uh, you know, we had to deal with that, and I, it, we, were, we weren't worried the least external appearances because our internal appearances, our internal actions were exposed to the world because... I'd say for the first 15 years of our marriage, we always had someone else living with us <laughs> other than the kids and my wife. So it was just broadcast to the uh, free world? Like, oh, yeah. Those yeah. Allens are, that's a shit show. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like... Or what, I don't know what the right. report was, but... And and my, um, my objective was that I wanted... Well, I heard this thing once that says, if you were to run for an office, would the people in your household vote for you? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I know. So I'm thinking this is what's most ask that. <laughs> that's what's more, most important to me is the people in my household. So I just focused on that and whatever that looked like to someone else it, it just wasn't I want to say it wasn't that important but you know you know that somewhere you don't want your kids to be maniacs. And and actually I've told them as adults now how proud I was of them for I never had to worry about that. We could go somewhere with them and they're going to be how they're going to be all the time. And they're yeah. not going to try and push us to see, oh, well, now I can see if I can go further here, you know. Country dog. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that was good. But I did notice I saw what we called a star chart from 2001. <laughs> see, I just I keep stuff, you know. <laughs> and I saw this, and it was something to where the girls could get um, points for doing something right and then mm-hmm. lose points for doing stuff in the wrong. And it was just real simple, just a way to kind of encourage the behavior a certain direction. And one of them was something like, First time obedience. I think what it what it said was delayed obedience is disobedience, <laughs> and it says just if I ask you to do something, do it, and then we can talk about it later. And they got like multiple points for doing that, and I encourage that let's talk about it later. But I, I taught them as they got older. I mean, older like you know six to fifteen or something. That uh, that if I if I say something and I'm wanting you to stop doing something or to come here or whatever, I'm doing it for your own good. So maybe this is important that you do it right away. So I only use that tone for that, and then you do it right away, and then you can ask me. And uh, and and it seemed to work, and I, I did start that with my granddaughter, too. <laughs> it's like I'm not trying to be a tyrant. I just want to, like, 
she was sitting in the window frame of our condo. It's on the fourth floor and the window was open. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't want to rush at her and say, no, don't sit there. But I said, step off of that now. <laughs> and she did. And she looked back. She was, why, Poppy? I always sit up here. I said, well, the window's open right now. So we're not going to do that. So that's, that's the reason I wanted that um, sure. tool in the toolbox. <clears throat> but I think that's the part that, the, especially people that I work with, they get confused about, and I don't know how to express it differently than the country dog mm-hmm. versus the dog in the fence. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And what I find parents doing is when a child starts to test boundaries, what they do is they shrink the fence, they clamp down even tighter. Oh, no. They don't recognize it as, okay, it's time to take the dog for a walk, if you will, or it's time to get a bigger pin. Yeah, yeah. They think of it as, well, you're going to be, that's disobedience, so I'm going to punish. No. And it's the exact opposite. It's time to give them more space. It's time to give them more responsibility. And it is counterintuitive, right? Because they're doing something disruptive, right? (laughs) And it's like, well, I'm not going to fucking reward their goddamn negative behavior. (laughs) Their ass is going to get their shit to get. And it's like, okay, let me know how that works out for you. Yeah. And and I might have learned this from you. 15 years ago. I'll take credit for it. Okay. But when we saw, I, I remember one daughter in particular, but it, it worked for all of them. When we saw that they were starting to make decisions, it's like, okay, that's that's not a decision I would have wanted you to make. And it was right on the edge of the fence. It's like, okay, we're going to open up the fence so you get to make that decision. Is that a good idea to, to drive home this late at night? By You know, whatever. Right. And and that, so when now the decision's on them. But I always thought... That was the hardest part of parenting is find out where that boundary needed to be and and keep it at a point where they feel challenged to make their own decision rather than constrained. Right. So and I, so a couple of things if you're parenting, if you're not a parent and you're starting best parenting book ever ever written, Liberated Parents Liberated Children. Uh magic magic okay. magic. It's a handbook. It's it's a it's a clinical handbook but it's written as a narrative and it's just brilliant. Uh, it's out of print as far as I know, so you might have a hard time finding it. Um, I don't know anything better, and I've read a fair amount of parenting books, and that's my mm-hmm. – and I give them away, and fucking people don't bring them back. You know? So don't <laughs> ask me because I've given all my fucking copies away. Um, but I, I can I'll, – I'll, I'll make the illustration this way. And this was when some of the lights started to come on in my own pathological brain. But I was going to take Taylor for a walk, and I think she was – three, four, four years old, something like that, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm like, sweetie, it's cold. You need a coat. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I, I don't need a coat. And uh, I'm like, babe, pretty sure you're going to need a coat. Yeah. I'm fine, Dad. I don't need a coat. And so we start walking. Mm-hmm. And it's cold, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And she's a little kid, so, you know, she's got her play coat clothes on. I mean, she's, like, turning blue. Yeah, yeah. Now, God love her. She's fighting, right? Oh, yeah, she's yeah. wanting so, something in her primal brain is, like, win this, like, win this. But finally, she says, Daddy, I'm cold. Can we go home? Mm. And I'm like, no, you said you wanted to go. No, I didn't say <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. I said, yeah, baby, let's go home. Yeah. And uh, no kidding, from that day forward, mm-hmm. 
the first question that she asked me every morning was, what's the weather like today, Daddy? Oh, yeah. Do I need a coat, Dad? (laughs) And so when you can give them room to stumble and feel the consequences Mm -hmm. of their choices, that's when you become an ally and not the cause of their rebellion. Okay. They're not pushing against you. Right. Working with you. Okay. And, and the other thing is, so as often as possible, when you can expose a child to the natural consequences of their choices and parents are fucking crazy. I mean, I don't, it's shocking to me how much resistance I get on this. And they come to therapy when it's like, if you would have come when yeah. they were five, yeah. man, but you got an 18-year-old that you can't get off your fucking couch, you think I got a magic wand? He's got a good gig, man. Right. He lays on the fucking couch, takes a shit, plays Xbox, eats food out of your kitchen, yeah. and I'm supposed to talk him out of that? Anyway, no. that's a whole nother rant. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I tried that same thing when uh, my youngest daughter was four years old. I had to drop her off at daycare one day, and uh, she didn't want to put on her shoes. I said, if you don't want to wear shoes, you don't have to wear shoes. And so I drop her off. And then I get flack from everybody. The daycare lady, I mean, she calls my wife. And then my sister-in-law had to pick her up later. It's like, she didn't have shoes. And I'm thinking, like, that's a consequence of a choice that she made. I need her to start understanding that. Is that going to always be my responsibility? And, and it worked with my daughter. It didn't work with the daycare person and my wife, you know. But Yeah, um, because, oh, man. I remember one time. Uh, picking my son up from preschool and uh, they were doing these little hand puppets with the lunch sack things. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And I don't know how many kids were in this preschool bunch and it's so fucking type a, I mean, it just, anyway, so there's, I'm going to say a hundred kids and every one of these puppets looks exactly the same. (laughs) Except? Except one. (laughs) And so Evan decided, I think it was a dragon is what they were making. I don't remember. But anyway, he decided that, and what is it? That's preschool, so he's four years old, we'll say. Mm -hmm. What was supposed to be the tail was a much more sinister tongue. (laughs) (laughs) And he was right. His dragon was fucking awesome yeah yeah. and so you know i go pick him up and like the little preschool worker kind of chastises evan evan didn't have a good day today and he didn't um he didn't follow the rules whatever and so she handed me the dragon and i'm like i didn't say this is fucking all my tone of voice was i was like dude you killed it (laughs) like that's awesome bro Yeah, yeah And so he and I are having like this mini celebration. And of course the preschool teachers appalled. And yeah, yeah. We might've gotten kicked out at that point. <laughs> oh, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. So rule number one, um, I don't know. I'm throwing, I, this is not numerical, but as often as possible, as young as possible, start exposing your children to natural consequences. Mm-hmm. Let them fail. Let them experience the discomfort of failure and be an asset to them mm-hmm. when they want to solve the problem. Yeah. That is, the sooner that you can do that, and that develops resilience. Mm -hmm. And number two, the more that you dictate 
your child's life, the more they're going to be dependent when they leave your home. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to find someone else to now dictate their life. Mm -hmm. Your job is not to raise a rule follower. Right. Your job is to raise an independent, autonomous human being. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if your child has straight A's and never had a behavioral mark, be terrified. (laughs) Like, be terrified. That is, that's, that's scary. Yeah, that's just following a rule. But we reward that, yeah. right? Yeah. Any anyway, yeah, I can that, go on and on on that. Well, I wanted to add to something you brought up in a previous episode was the idea of uh, if a, if your child brings you a drawing and and they want you to to comment on it, you don't really want to be that judge, and you want to ask them, why did that make you feel to right. do that? Right. And uh, and I've been doing that with our granddaughter. And she she talks about how it made her feel to do it. Yeah, and it sounds like woo-woo shit, and I used to make fun of people who did this, and guess what? I was wrong because <laughs> I was in a chaotically enmeshed family system and totally in denial to my pathology. Mm-hmm. When I say that was so good, it's the exact same thing as saying that was so bad. Mm-hmm. But when I... Ask, tell me about your picture. What do you think of you? And isn't it fucking brilliant, the things they'll say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think you're smarter parent than the universe that created this child? (laughs) Really? You think you're smarter? Like, get the fuck out of their way. Yeah. Be a participant in it. Yeah. Your kids are concrete in their orientation when they're young. Right. So your goal is to get them to conceptualize things, to be able to think if I do A, this will happen. If I do B, this will happen. Mm -hmm. I choose A without having to do A, experience the negative consequence, and then go back to B or just sit in the failure of having chosen A. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're concrete in their orientation. Why do you go to work? <laughs> well, to make money. Fucking yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was wondering. Where One was fucking reason, right? <laughs> paycheck. Yeah, right. I mean, I may like what I do, right, right. but if I didn't need this paycheck, I'd probably be that, doing something else. That's what I was processing. Yes. <laughs> Positive consequences are more motivating than negative consequences. Mm-hmm. And children are concrete in their orientation, mm-hmm. which means they need to see it. They need to see a chart. They need some kind of what I what I encourage parents to do is get a jar and then have some poker chips and fill the one jar with poker chips. Now I have a list of positive behaviors that cause them to put a chip into the other jar and negative behaviors that cause them to take a chip out. Yeah. yeah. Now they see it, they have total control over it. This is what is expected of me. This is what I get to do that. And then give them a reward, a paycheck, the <laughs> same fucking thing that you, the reason you yeah. go to work, yeah, yeah. some kind of a reward for the positive behavior. Mm-hmm. If your kid is two, it needs to be a pretty small jar. Yeah. As your child grows and matures, increase 
the size of the jar so that you can increase their delayed gratification, that they mm-hmm. don't have to have an immediate reward yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. Impulse control. Yeah, yeah. Number three. Is that what number three we are? <laughs> what are, what are we on? We're way past. We're on five. Now. Number 17. Don't have any rules. <laughs> rules are for lazy parents. <laughs> Curfews are the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Have a conversation with your child. Negotiate everything. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to stay out to 2 o'clock in the morning? Because I'm about to give a hard no. So, But if you've got a great reason, yeah, yeah. then let's have a conversation about that. And you give your side of the argument. I will give my side of the argument. And we will come to a conclusion together. Mm-hmm. Negotiate everything. Yeah. Say yes as often as you possibly can, even when it makes your asshole pucker. If your child is trustworthy, trust them. Don't be controlled by fear of what might happen. Or it, Yes, it's a scary world, but mm-hmm. guess what? It's a more beautiful world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's beautiful, wonderful things that can be experienced. Do you want to raise your kid that feels fearful and powerless to the world? Right. Or do you want to raise your child to believe in their ability to manage the yeah. things in their world? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Hopefully <laughs> the latter. Yeah. Sorry, I got going on that one. I had another <laughs> one. I can't remember what it was. Um uh, sorry, the NyQuil, <laughs> the NyQuil phase I think. came back. Oh, I'll try to redirect. I remember one time came outside and uh, my sweet little Reagan, who's just a beautiful tornado like her father, mm-hmm. and uh, we just bought a minivan, mm-hmm. right? And we're I'm cleaning, cleaning out all the shit that's in the, yeah. the new minivan, right? And Reagan sitting up front putting pennies in the CD player. <laughs> and she is so proud of herself. Now, internally, I flip my fucking shit. Mm-hmm. But I, at this point in time, I know I'm crazy, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to keep the crazy chained in the basement. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sweetie... <laughs> Let's not put pennies there. Right. Let's go find another something else that you can put pennies into. Because yeah. <laughs> she's not intending to do harm, no, right? No. She's just having the fucking time of her life. Right. She's so fucking proud of herself that she's discovered that these little things that she doesn't know are pennies fit into this little slot. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no yeah. malevolence there. Nope. It's just a child creating cleaning up like her dad was get rid of these pennies exactly (laughs) and it's and i mean i had to chug seven beers just to like yeah and then i (laughs) i took the van back into the shop and i was like it's a minivan right so undoubtedly being a minivan you're gonna it's manufacturer's going to cover a two-year-old putting pennies into Yeah. They didn't go for that. I yeah. thought it was a stout argument. Yeah. I mean, what do they think you're going to do with a minivan? That's exactly right. what they do with it. Man, cover it. Anyway, <laughs> never bought a Honda since. So, uh, <laughs> oh, because anyway. of that. Yeah, right. So when I, when I can, when I know 
it's not nefarious. It's not defiant. Right, right. Keep your shit together, even if it fucks up some of your stuff. It's just stuff. And try to redirect. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can't color on the wall. Because Joey doesn't know that coloring on the... He's like, well, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's color the walls. Yeah. He, it's, it's when you can redirect when you know it's the exploration of a child when you know that they're doing something don't put them in a fence right right give them the freedom of being the country dog we can't color on the wall we're gonna clean that off okay joy so come with me and we're gonna get now look at that see how that comes off oh look at what good job you Uh, did buddy high five me on that and here's some paper you can here's where we can color (laughs) yeah so as often at as often as possible in early childhood, when your child is just being creative and just exploring and wants to explore, if they want to go for a walk, don't say, no, daddy's tired because I worked all day. Fucking work less and take your kid for a walk or mm-hmm. suck it up, whatever. Mm-hmm. As often as you possibly can, say yes and redirect. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I do want to reiterate something from the beginning that maybe for the parents working in a deficit, yeah. <laughs> that two of the key things were um, consistency and, um, and, and I'll say follow through. That, those might not be the words you use, but it's like if you're going to have a rule, it needs to be the same today and tomorrow. An, an unenforced consequence is worse than no consequence. If you're going to set a consequence, when you do this, oh, yeah. this happens. Yeah. And you're not going to enforce that consequence. Yeah. You've done more harm than just no consequences. Mm-hmm. If you if your child is a, a rebellious, strong-willed child, let the universe parent them. Let them fall yeah. down the steps. Let them stick their finger if you're not going to impose the consequence. Because natural, they'll have a yeah. chance if natural consequences regulate their behavior. I'm not advocating that, okay? What I'm advocating is that if you have a consequence for your child, fucking impose it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, that child's going to grow up as a little baby narcissist thinking mm-hmm. the rules apply to everybody else, but they don't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Or their world's not going to make any sense to them because it's yeah. just fucking chaos because I don't know which rules matter and which rules right. don't. Right, right, right. And then... um. um Oh, yeah, and the other part was the follow-through. So, like, if you're going to say you're going to do something, then we're going to do it. We can't say, hey, we'll, we'll talk about going to the mall later. Right. And and if you say that, a kid hears we're going to the mall later. Right. So I was very careful, you know, to, like, I might say, I may think about that later, but don't write that down. That's right, not right, a right. thing. And I, so I said no a lot in a fun way, but they knew it could happen. Right. Um, they knew that you were saying no because you weren't, when you, they knew that your yes was a yes and your no was a no or even a maybe. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you kept their expectations realistic, which is, it is so much better than building up your child's oh, expectations yeah. just to be disappointed. Again. Yeah. I saw that so much when I worked with the kids in the inner city because I had a chance to, I worked with inner city kids for seven years before I had any of my own to, <laughs> to experiment on. And, uh, and I saw that so much, just the, 
unmet expectations, things that they were told could happen that didn't. And I don't want to fully blame the parents because they just couldn't pull things off. But I thought, okay, well, I'm only going to say what I know can happen. So, and and I'll I'll just say a couple of words about my experience my experience parenting as a divorced parent. Mm-hmm. My philosophy for parenting as a divorced parent was just a realistic recognition that we were mostly incapable of co-parenting. And that's just some people, I know some people are capable of co-parenting, which is wonderful. That is the ideal. I did not have a circumstance where that was the possibility. Okay. So I, I was never hostile towards their mother. It wasn't like she parented, she set up her world one way and I set up my world another way. And because I, I wanted to let my kids, I wanted my kids to see the world as more beautiful than terrifying. Mm -hmm. I wanted my kids to run full speed with their hair on fire Mm -hmm. and trust themselves to manage it rather than be overwhelmed by fear. Yeah. And, and so I, I built my parenting structure that way and peacefully coexisted with their mother. Mm -hmm. And it, it was never explicitly stated, but they understood that, this is the way the world works at dad's house. And I had them 50% of the time. And this is the way that the world works at mom's house, which was obviously a reflection of our identity as individuals. Mm-hmm. And so then they started to understand us as individuals. Oh, this yeah. is what dad parents this way because this is what dad's like. Yeah, yeah. And mom parents this way because... This is what mom's like, and these are the things that are assets with my relationship with my mom, and these are things that are assets with my relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. And that, and I, you know, we've talked about this in the past. I used to do a lot of custody work and evaluations for high conflict divorce and that sort of thing, and then found out there's so much easier ways to make a living. <laughs> but anyway, um, so it was it was just that recognition that this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to parent that way. The kids are going to figure it out. And there was there was, you know, if you think about, you know, the stages of group development, you know, it's like forming, storming, norming, performing. We we went through that. It took a while for the kids to accept this is the way it is at dad's house. And and some of that was just kids testing the norms. Mm-hmm. And I I'm not I'm not, you can call my ex and you can ask her, I'm so fucking proud of my kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are doing things so far beyond Mm -hmm. what I ever, I mean, (laughs) my daughter, my oldest, who I'm just, I mean, all all three of them, just, they're doing, they're just, I'll just suffice to say, and the little asshole daughters moved off to Chicago, and I hope you're <laughs> listening to this and feel bad in this moment. 
Uh, but they're so fucking happy, yeah. and they're yeah. not scared of this world. Yeah, and that's what you want. You don't want them to be restrained to yeah. as good as you can be. Right. You want to just set them up to flourish to be as good as they can be. Yeah, and it was, I mean, they are the country dog. Yeah. And they will wander, and they will come back to the porch. And, and it just, do I wish I had them around more? You know, I yes. But when I look at them, and it's like, okay, that's... Uh, I mean, I'm just so damn proud of them. And, and, but the thing you have to remember is this isn't a product of Jeff Stuckey being a great parent. Mm-hmm. I'm an idiot from a chaotically enmeshed system, right? Because I said so was my default parenting. Oh. But through understanding and learning and all of these kinds of things, I was able to completely transform my parenting into a way, one, that just kind of was congruent to who I am, but Mm. so far so good, has created three autonomous, mostly functioning adults. Jury's still out on my son. He could go either way. (laughs) Love you, F. Um, So all that to say, you can do this too, Mm -hmm. no matter where you are in your parenting journey. Okay, well, Jeff, that sounds like a good place to land this thing. I wouldn't know because I'm high on NyQuil, but I'll trust <laughs> your judgment. Okay, well, I'm going to say this as far as we're going to go with it. How'd it go? How, how did that podcast go? There was a lot of good content. Yeah. I just hope it, we were able to extract it. Yeah, probably a lot of uh, rabbit trails, I would suppose. Yeah, if... But the good news is uh, there'll be a, a summary of it on the website cool. uh, next week in one of the blogs, so you can check that out if you need and to. And maybe consider smoking... Get a little high listening to this episode. If you're in a state where that's legal, only in a state. Only if it's legal. Only if it's legal. Okay. Well, we'd like to say goodbye now. Probably ought to shut her down. I'll see you (laughs) next week.